Let's getty. Getty spaghetti. We're time for ready. It's ready time, speddy time. Bu, bu, bu. What's speddy? It's like a sort of long pasta. Speddy is a long pasta. What's your favorite type of pasta? You know, honestly, if if this is a safe space, I'll be honest with you right now. You know it's not, but go on. The the pasta that I buy most often, it's spirals. It's a Trevelli, oh, man. What? It's a Trevelli. No, isn't that a facility? It's a, it's Trevelli. That's the, that's what it says on the package. Trevelli. Trevelli. You know what that means, right? Um, delicious spirals. No, do you know what it says about you? What does it say? It says you're a pedophile. What? Because that's fucked up. That's fucked up. Is it? Yeah, I saw it. I saw it on one of those buds Buzzfeed things. Like what oh, your no. what, what your what pasta your says pasta about you says about you and mm-hmm. all pedophiles. What? It's one of those weird things. God, like, like uh, Trevelli. Now I really regret saying this in a public forum. Yeah. Well, what's yours? Well, what's yours? You know, I've fluctuated over the years, Nick. Uh, thanks for asking. I've fluctuated. I, I used to be a huge fettuccine guy. Like, uh-huh. like seriously, huge. Well, I'm not here to um, kink shame. All of my favorite, um, you know, all my heroes at the time were all fettuccine, you know, types. Yeah. Um, and in my older age, I'm leaning more towards like a, a penne. Okay. A penne. Uh, a ribbed penne. Um, it's just the best one. The sauce, it catches the sauce in the ribs and also allows the sauce to run through the, the tube. And I just, I like to pick, I just like to get it on my fork and put it in my eye. Do you think that that's as you become more confident about your sexuality? You didn't feel the yeah. need to like outwardly display these long sort of flapping yeah, fettuccines. Yeah. You could just Absolutely. be a little bit more comfortable with your size, which is a, a small sort of hollow tube yeah absolutely i think and look i was going to say rigatoni as well but that would have been too obvious too obvious but um but yeah that's exactly right like as soon as i became secure in my sexuality it was like i'm Put a that fettuccine away mum. i don't need it anymore yeah i don't need a tubular spaghetti yeah a, a bucatini if you will uh-huh i um i don't um, i don't enjoy a pasta which has a hole in it i'm just gonna say it I'm just gonna say it. I don't. I don't like that vibe. Well, this fits, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> How? How can you claim that that is a purely heterosexual fascination? Go on. I. It took me two seconds, uh-huh. honestly, maybe one point five seconds, to realize that that was false. Uh huh. But also, you've had a go at me before uh-huh. about assuming that all gay sex is in the asshole. That's true. Uh, which I took on board, uh-huh. and clearly, you know, I'm now more progressive than you. You are because I didn't assume that gay sex was just butthole sex. Uh huh. Well, you know what? I'm going to take back my outrage. Outrage. Good for you. Thank you. I'm. You've really, you've really stepped up and um, embraced non-butthole sex as a valid form of gay intercourse. So good for you. Thanks, man. I never thought we'd get Welcome here. Welcome to the show. <laughs> this is Deep Ford. Thank you for being here. Oh, what a pleasure. This is a podcast in which we talk to each other about interesting things in 
the world, look, I wasn't ready for the intro. I'm just gonna say it. I wasn't ready. I felt the need to do it, but I wasn't ready. Sitting through the internet with me, my friend Michael. Hey, how are we doing? How are we doing? I didn't hear any of that spiel because the internet dropped out, I think. And my name's so Nick. I got that part. <laughs> Nothing. Oh, how you been? Why am I having... Good, just quickly, why am I having internet weirdness? I don't know. I am. Um, I can hear you and see you. It's usually fine. Yeah. Usually it's I might just stop the video recording because we don't use that anyway, do we? We don't really. We can put up the button. It's just for clip. me to look at later and just look in your tiny little crab-like eyes. <laughs> uh, so you've been good? Been pretty good. Um, I've been been a bit. I've been. I almost got attacked. I think before. What? Because I went to I went to the supermarket. I live on a quite a busy street in inner Melbourne, and there was a woman standing outside. There's like a Coles, and she was staring at her reflection. And I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to. Um. You know, be mean or anything to anyone who might have a mental problem or two. But this was kind of funny. Like she was being kind of funny to me. Like she was looking at herself in the mirror. She had a she had an empty Stein glass, and she was just talking to herself and then cracking up laughing. And I was like, first of all, I relate. <laughs> and and she was like having full on conversations, and she was having a great time. And then when I got out, she looked at me because the 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 screen there was like glass doors that auto, automatically opened. So was, it was that an like, actual mirror she was looking at or she was just in a reflection in the glass? She was she was just a reflection in the glass. Yeah. But I think what happened is as I got out, the glass doors moved and then her reflection, who she was in, in you know, in her defense having in mid conversation, uh, opened and was replaced with me. And I think she was angry about it and started yeah. yelling at me in I think Vietnamese. Okay. Um, she was. I think she was Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't a weird part <laughs> yeah. of the story. She was. She wasn't like Spanish. Yeah. Uh, that uh, fit with your expectations. Yeah, and then she started yelling at me. I didn't understand. And then she like held up her Stein glass as if she was going to whack me with it. And I went, oh. Ooh. I think I actually because I had my headphones in, so I could have done any. I could have made any noise. I wouldn't have been aware of it. Yeah. And I just went, Ooh, and just kind of ran across the street. Was that a, that um, was in the last twenty minutes? Was that were you the only person around? No, no, this is a busy street. I mean, she's probably done this to thousands of people. Have you today. considered that maybe it is a store promotion, and it's some kind of way to encourage people talking about Coles, get that you know brand out there, and generate a little bit of grassroots hype? So everyone's talking about the Miragran. Let's mm. go to Coles, see if we can find her. And, you know, you go there and maybe maybe that you discover that prices are down. What You know, down, down. Prices are down. Yeah. <laughs> They're fucking down. Uh, I hadn't, hadn't considered that for even a, a New York minute, Nick. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're possibly right. I mean, I do love... Uh, I do love how they've, you know, they've marketed themselves. I picked up some eggs before. Okay. And they've got these, like... I don't know if you remember this from your time in um, Australia, but they've got like Coles eggs. It's kind of just like a green label and it's like just Coles free, free range eggs. Got to buy free range. Got to buy the free range. And they've moved now to 
Coles free range eggs, but they've got the they they're going and Woolworths is doing this too. They're going for this all like farmers kind of markety kind of vibe now. Um, and they've got like a farmer on there, and they've got pictures of chickens on there. So they're spending more on their branding. Okay. Um, even though it's still essentially a home brand buy. Yeah. But uh, now they've got pictures and the chickens that they had on these eggs. Like, it's a painting, not a painting, but it's a picture. <laughs> a label? It's a, it's a label. It's a, with it's the, a really sort of, done. it's like a Picasso-esque 2D sort of abstract chicken. Yeah, really like sort of gets me. you in like an artistic mood. Yeah, but the chickens are spaced so far apart and they look so happy. These are the eggs I, sculptors prefer. Yeah. And I just thought, like, there's no way in fuck that these chickens are that happy. <laughs> and and also that, like, they had, like, this nice, like, orange glow about them. Yeah. Like, they were just, sitting on just the ridiculous. beach. They were sipping out of a half coconut. And you're thinking, yeah, the they probably didn't coladas. spend more than an afternoon there. That would have been <laughs> just the photo shoot. But honestly, Nick, they look like they're on holiday, these chickens. Um, but I just thought the artist and Coles has taken some massive liberties with this mm. depiction of uh, free range uh, living yeah, for, as a chicken. But yeah, anyway. Mm, that's Birdwatch what's for you. Going on, what's going on with you, my dog? Not much. I've been uh, in a slightly uh, closer bubble as the date of our departure to Australia um nears i just really don't want to get sick in like the week before the trip and then have complications Uh about being able to travel or not travel Um, now can you tell me that date again it is the 8th of april that is great yeah 8th of april we are flying to adelaide and then on the 22nd back to melbourne out on the 25th from melbourne so your relevant dates 22nd to 25th that is great because I just made some big plans directly either side of that without even considering that yeah but I without considering that you're coming back but then I did realize in the car to work shit Nick's coming and I don't know the date so yeah. lucky guess but yeah. yeah I would have canceled my plans oh, anyway that's sweet I mean I say that now that I don't you have would, to yeah, now you yeah. don't have any like skin in the game yeah um so yeah, just just knowing that that's less than th- or come about three weeks away now, and yep. I just like that we're still in sort of a peak Omicron over here. Um, cases are dropping slowly. It'll probably have declined in Auckland, but it's still rising in Canterbury, which is where Christchurch is. You haven't you haven't dealt with the son of Omi yet, have you? Though we are, I think mostly BA two. I think we are BA two. Yeah, that? that's the Omicron variant. Oh, so you're mostly BA2. I think that's... I've just yeah, adopted it now. Yeah, you just... It, like, within 10 seconds, you were, you were on board. <laughs> that's how my brain works. I just I just immediately start mimicking people. That's um, so squanch. Okay. That's so squanch of you. I, oh, what's... What? I know. What's, what's squanch I love to squanch. Oh. I love to squanch. Um, so, yeah, you got... You, yeah, so you're going to... I just... Probably, you got, I, you're trying to wait it out. I just... Are I you wanna... doing anything differently, though? Are you not going out as much as you... Because that's the thing, like, you don't, you maybe don't care, maybe you care about getting it, but like, I was the same when I was going away, I was like, I just want to hang on until I get there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just don't... Because you have to do tests before leaving and on arrival in South Australia. So I just really want to get through. Yeah, if you're into Nash. So I really mm. just want to get through without without that flare up so that I can get in and actually enjoy the holiday. Um, in terms of changes, it's it's not been too severe because we, I'm pretty good in terms of wearing a mask. I suppose yeah. because I work from home as well, it, that's a little bit easier. But the um, mm. I suppose the the biggest risk factor I'd had previously or, or risk exposure was just going to the gym because at the gym you're allowed to take your mask off. And here we go. Well. You asked. <laughs> that's that's like the one weird situation, right? Where you can exercise without a mask on. But that's like the most exhalation and like sweat and like droplet kind of central area that but you could go not, to. You're right? not getting you're not getting COVID from a sweat droplet. Come on. Well, not sweat, <laughs> but you know, like it's just there's a it's a moist environment. It's a moist environment. Yeah, it is. So. Yeah, um, it is. So in in at the gym now I'm working out with a mask which is not that much fun but it I feel like that's mm. my that has been my biggest risk factor and that is the simplest way I can to to avoid <laughs> exposure. Sure. You know, I haven't worn a mask in probably 3 weeks. It's interesting because um which is crazy. We had uh one of KC's friends from Melbourne over here um came back uh, he's originally from New Zealand and came back, unfortunately, for a funeral. Um, but he'd been in Melbourne, and and his experience, I think, has been a bit like, wow, way to like go back in time to when everyone has yeah. to wear a mask, and you know, people are um, scanning in and being cautious about contact tracing and all this kind of thing. And he was very much like, nah, fuck this, I'm done with it. Um, but yep. then all of his family got COVID and now he's sick. So <laughs> maybe he should have taken it seriously. Yeah. Uh, I had to listen to ABC Radio Perth um, for something for work the other day. Mm. And it was interesting to hear like people call in and they were going like, they were angry at the government for not contract talk, contact tracing or not notifying you know, parents of the school that were alerted and stuff. And like all the things that they were talking about on this talkback show were just like, I was like, wow, this is like three months, three, four months ago for us. Like, it's so crazy how we just like left it. Yeah. And it's now. So it's which, where was this happening? Thing of the past. Perth. Perth. Yeah. Perth, who had only just opened up their borders. Yeah. They've basically been COVID free yeah. for the whole pandemic and yeah. have opened up their borders now. Yeah. And that's but, yeah, like, like looking back in time. Our um, New Zealand situation at the moment is still like around 20,000 cases a day. Um, we're up to now, I think, one-tenth of the population has had it, um, really? which is pretty massive. We're still having deaths, like 10, 10 to 15 deaths every day. Um, so it is the worst mm. that it's ever been. And yet, strangely, it's kind of also when things are starting to loosen up a little bit with the borders reopening and and a general understanding that if you came back in from overseas you don't have to isolate because it's rampant yeah. here so um it's just a, an interesting contrast really when you think about all the hard work that was done earlier um successfully well, it's an interesting it's an interesting social experiment in many ways and i'm sure they'll look back on this in the future and and there'll be a lot that we can learn from it but it's an interesting social experiment in the sense that we were like the media was like 
you know, it's really hyped up and it's all everyone thought about and it's masked and it's like your perception of COVID is that like, if you get it, you're going to die. And then all of a sudden, this is at least our experience, I think, in Victoria, that they just drop it. Okay, so we don't start hearing about the case numbers that much anymore. And we don't start hearing about all this like fear stuff. And then you just walk out and you're like, huh, it's like, it seems fine. And I know that it's COVID still exists and people are dying and people still getting sick. But it's funny that when you, when you're like trapped up in your home and you're getting this information from the media, and I'm not saying this was incorrect information. I'm just saying it was kind of just shoved down our throat 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that when you... You start to you start to it creates this boogeyman for you, and yeah. you do start to feel scared about it, even just leaving the house. And then you realize, I guess it's because you know you, people can get it, and people that you know get it, and then they're fine or whatever. And you realize, okay, maybe it's not so bad, but yeah. Well, but I mean, the, the other stuff that you're alighting in the middle of all that is so much progression in the terms of the the medical. Um, uh, support network there, right? Like we have vaccinations. That is a night and day difference in terms of our ability as a, you know, a, a sack of meat to fight off this thing. We're also dealing with the, you know, 20th variation of it now, which has mutated to a less severe level. And we're dealing with um, uh, government systems and healthcare systems, which have now had two years to put in processes in order to handle an influx of patients and and you know our hospital beds are filling up it, it is mm. actively making a lot of people sick i think a thousand people are in hospital across new zealand with covid um, yeah. and there are people dying every day like in their 20s and 30s like it is still killing people but you're right that the context for it all is now so completely different so that the the social weight of it has lifted slightly the 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 numbers game has sort of changed a little bit where we're in a different kind of statistical place now where the odds of you personally being, you know, subjected to a a really tough illness with long-term consequences has decreased. And that just allows for a little bit of, you know, easing, psychological easing. Right. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. And my, my dad, had a COVID scare last week where he, oh. he, he was feeling a bit feeling a bit crook and did a rat test and, um, and then posted it on our family chat and the second line was was kind of faint and I looked on the, the TGA website and it said that if it was if it's even a faint line could suggest COVID. COVID. Yeah. Um turns out he does didn't have COVID. Um but he went he went and visited his mum, my grandmother, my my Bubcha, um the Ukrainian one who is anti-vax and has been going to this cult-like church where the priest has been telling her that the vaccine, the devil lives in the vaccine, don't get the vaccine. The priest has been telling the congregation, don't get the vaccine. And she's incredibly highly susceptible to listening to her priest. Yeah. Um. So she has refused to get it. And my dad had a thing where it's been like, shit, if Baba gets it, she was like late 80s. Yeah, I mean, she's still got a, she's still got a wits about her. Apart from, you know, the physical side is, the is crazy, weak, right? God shit. Yeah, yeah, but you got to you got to expect that you know, in an eighty-eight year old woman yeah. or whatever, it's, she's compromised. Um, but then I was like, oh shit! Like she's been so anti getting the vax. Like this is gonna be the thing, you know? I mean, imagine, yeah, 
imagine if she gets it and dies or whatever. Yeah. Like it's going to it would it would really bring home that that stuff even though shouldn't need someone pers- like that you know personally to bring that home for you, but it you know it, it just always would. would. Yeah. Yeah, there are people like I am friends with on Twitter and that sort of thing who I've known for ages who I've seen come, you know, come down with it and it doesn't sound like much fun at all. And obviously George yeah. had it and, and she didn't really like yeah. it either. So, yeah, I'm still very much in that position where I don't want that. Um, just to go back a, a step, uh, your dad, so how did he have a faint yes line but not have COVID? Did he get another test? Uh, yeah, he did another test and, um, he didn't have any other symptoms uh, apart from that, that, that one day he was also singing in the band, um, the night before. So it was like more of a, I've been singing all night kind of thing. As in his feelings of the symptoms were, were potentially from that, but the subsequent rats didn't show it. Yep. So, well, that's good news. Oh. Just take well, slightly changing, massively changing tax. But um, my 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 parents are just just reminding me. My parents are actually, you know what? Don't want to talk about that either. <laughs> uh, I'm just imagining the text because I get text after Michael. every fucking episode now. Yeah. Um. Maybe maybe you should say something like, "I was just thinking the other day how much I love my parents." You know, Nick. I was just thinking the other day. Wait, can you do like a like a little dreamy thing, like a like a okay. dream sequence thing? Okay, yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, fine. The number of the number of like audio requests you throw into the mix. At least Look, last man, week I'm you a... did listen to it. I did you hear me? I I I put in your fucking horns for you. I was actually touched by oh, that. There you go. Because I know, I know, because you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, cre- I'm a creative machine. You're an ideas man. I'm an man. artist. I'm an ideas man, and I just like to throw spaghetti That's why at the you wall. Buy and I'm, I'm, eggs. And unfortunately, you're just that wall, and you have to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you just have to take it. Yeah. Um. So I you did just, really appreciate your you edit. Throw your penne at me. The boss and I just have to take George it. Clooney news. Yeah. Bossa Nova George Clooney News was sorry, Bossa Nova GCN was fucking beautiful, dog. Okay. It was fucking gorgeous. Great. It was just a standard track I dragged out of the Logic Pro um, library, but I I feel like it was. Chuck it on our SoundCloud. Chuck it on our SoundCloud, (laughs) I reckon. Um, But yeah, I just really just wanted to say how much I love my mum and my dad and my brother and sister. And everyone who listens to this podcast, well, just cheapened it. So there you go. <laughs> oh, that's very sweet and unprompted of you, Michael. Um, I'm sure nice. that everyone affected will send you an appreciative text. Um, what are we going to talk about this week? Do we have Do we have plans? Okay. Um, well, I just saw this article circulating. I think it's kind of a rehashy thing, but um, it was an article that said that there was an MIT computer program um, in the 70s that predicted that civilized, civilization will end um, by 2024. Um, so should I, maybe I'll just read a bit of this article. Yeah, please do. Okay, it starts off with a bit of Isaac Newt chat. Um, so in 1704, Isaac Newton predicted the end of the world sometime around... 
the year 2060 using a strange series of mathematical calculations. Uh, rather than study what he called the book of nature, he took as his source the supposed prophecies of the book of Revelation. While such predictions have been central to Christianity, it's a startling, uh, it is startling for modern people to look back and see the famed blah, blah, blah. Um, over 300 years later, we still have plenty of religious doomsayers predicting the end of the world with Bible codes. But in recent times, their ranks have been have seemingly been joined by scientists who only profess whose only professed aim is interpreting data from climate research and sustainability estimates given population growth and dwindling resources. The end of the world in these scenarios means the end of modern life as we know it, the collapse of industrialized societies, large scale large scale agricultural production, supply chains, stable climates nation states since the late 60s an elite society of wealthy industrialists and scientists known as the club of rome in brackets it's got here a frequent player in many conspiracy theories <laughs> has foreseen these disasters in the early 21st century one of their one of the sources of their vision is a computer program developed at mit by computing pioneer and systems theorist jay forrester whose model of global sustainability, one of the first of its kind, predicted civilizational collapse in 2040. Um, these predictions include population growth popula uh, and pollution levels, worsening quality of life and dwindling natural, nat natural resources. Um, and then ABC, Australia's ABC, actually has a video um, on, like, on this, on this um, computer program. Um, which explains um, the calculations as an electronic guided tour of our global behavior since 1900. So, yeah, it looks like, uh, I mean, maybe it's not that fun, but um, it looks like there was a, a computer program in the, in the 70s that was using climate change and population growth and agricultural expansion as put it into a computer and it looked like that's what that's where we'd be ending by i'm interested in that because this is like relevant because of the ukraine stuff so everyone's every it's like everyone people always go to ah oh, this is like the end of the world and you know you'll get it in emails in these trying times you know and it's like i feel like everyone always thinks that the world's ending and you know we see bushfires and and floods and war coming you know and 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 people turning on their own government uh at the at storming the capital or whatever and i just feel like yeah it does feel like the world's ending it really does but is it is it because we we're exposed to all this stuff now and yeah like no one's denying climate change apart from the climate change deniers <laughs> but but like but you've got to give them credit for sticking to their beliefs you, you know, it's give right credit. there in the name. <laughs> they don't try to <laughs> and, pretend to be anything else. But it's like it's hard to gain some perspective because people, people when they when they see the floods, I'm seeing things online and people people going, Scott Morrison, this is on your, this is blood on your hands because you're not doing enough about climate change. And it's kind of like, well, I mean, is it is it directly related to that? And is it directly Scott Morrison's fault? I mean, I saw some protesters dumped. They got. Um, wreckage from the floods in queensland and dumped it at kirribilli and they were like this is scomo's fault i mean i'm not i'm not saying that scomo's doing enough he's it seems like he's not but like is all this stuff directly related to climate change are we going to just destroy ourselves is this the end of the world 
Well, gosh, lots of lots of things to jump onto there. Um, I guess starting at the end and working backwards. Um, I think some of the criticism about ScoMo is totally valid because his party for the past 10 years it's been in power has actively done everything it can to not make any progress in improving Australia's preparedness for climate change, is treating it for a real thing. You know, it is only very recently that even the slightest statement like, um, I think ScoMo two weeks ago said something along the lines of, yeah, you can't deny that our climate is changing, you know, even that is like yeah. the, the it's least... It's like we've moved on from this, that. The, the smallest step of progress towards accepting it's even real after, you know, removing the carbon tax, actively, like, opening further coal, like, mines and co- um, coal-powered electricity plants and, you know, letting um, refuse be pumped into the ocean by the Great Barrier Reef and all this kind of, like, historical precedent for really just pretending like it's not happening and not giving a shit in, in quote-unquote... Um, saving the economy kind of mindset where it's like we can't afford to make these changes so we're not going to because it doesn't align with our business and industrial interests all of that kind of mentality which has been the prevailing and dominant um uh undercurrent of of our energy policy in in australia for the past decade is is the responsibility of the libs that is their shoulder to to um, that they need to shoulder that um, because it has been their doing. And so then when climate change continues to happen and you see, you, you know, the, the explicit results of that, like bushfires and floods come to pass, and not only is it happening and worsening and, and the government is, has been in denial about it, but then the actual processes for helping people has been bureaucratic, slow, and disorganized i think that that's very um reasonable to to turn to scomo and say hey fuck you you should have done something um sure just to jump in there i totally agree with all that but i think it's just like people acting like it's his fault like this is like your fault like it's even if australia shut down all of their energy production it like these floods probably will still happen if they are if they are caused by climate change they'll still happen yeah so yes i i understand that australia is a contributor to it and their policies contribute to contribute to that as a whole yeah but just to say this is your fault is not true uh, yeah i mean you can't make a causal link between scott morrison sitting down in the you know prime minister's chair and a flood ripping through you know new south wales of course not yeah. But if you take that logic to the end point, that means no one's responsible for anything. And so nothing yeah. fucking happens. So at some yeah, point, point, at some point, it has to be someone's responsibility. Otherwise, n- we're not getting out of this. And yeah, if, if Australia was um, in a proactive stance and had maintained a carbon tax, for instance, and, and changed the incentives and, and supported a a green energy revolution and, and invested in solar power and, and advocated for it on the world stage, then maybe we would be in a, in a declining trend of, of, you know, temperature, um, and, and, uh, international, uh, weather events rather than still on a very scary, um, 
upward trajectory. Um, yeah, yeah, good point. To go one further step back about the computer program thing in the 1970s, you may not know this. This may not have been in the article that you read, but do you know if they have taken a program from the 70s, imported modern data, today's data, and ended up with 2040? Or in the 1970s, did they put 1970s data in and back then it said 2040? Because I feel like um, the the stats back then would have been better than the yeah. stats currently, right? Like, I don't know that Why? really anyone was tracking climate change in the 70s. That was an 80s Oh, you thing, mean right? better in the sense that it's leading like against... Uh, population you know. growth and, and energy usage and, sure. and uh, all of those data are now 60 years 50 years out of date um so if they're using that that data and ending up with 2040 versus today's data that's quite different well i don't have that exact information but it does it does add this at the towards the end of the article it says forrester the um author of the of a couple of books and the the computer program um, more or less, it says, more or less endorsed his conclusions to the end of his life in 2016 at the age of 98. He told, he told the MIT Technology Review, I think the books stand all right. Well, what a lukewarm, what a lukewarm <laughs> endorsement of his own work. <laughs> I think they're okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah i don't know i don't have that info i didn't because otherwise it does feel a little bit just a little bit baba yagari where well here's the clinker here nick Um, did you say here's the clinker yeah it's my new thing that i've (laughs) adopted from someone um you know actually no you know what i'm not going to give you the clink you're just, Gosh, you're just withholding everything today. Just guess it. Just guess it. You'll guess it. Here's the clincher. Baba Yaga also predicted the end of the world in 2040. <laughs> Baba Yaga. <laughs> Baba Yaga. Do you mean um, Baba Vanka? Sure. Oh, yeah. Baba, Baba Yaga is... <laughs> racist. This is a different thing. I, I mean... I mean... No. Racist? It's not Don't... Racist. You're dead naming Baba Vanga. Baba Vanga. Sorry, I didn't realize Baba Vanga used to be Baba Yaga. That's very different. Um, what the hell are you Googling right now, by the way? I'm Googling what Baba the fuck Yaga. Are you Googling? To make sure that I'm talking about the same thing. What, what are you Baba, calling it? Baba, Baba Yaga, Vanga. like a Star Wars thing. No, Baba Yaga Baba is a, like a Slavish, Slavic witch. Oh, she was Slavic, Baba Vagd. Well, yeah, if there's Baba in it, it's probably from the same place, isn't it? Um, anyway, anyway. Can we, can we, I've got just jumping off my own questions to you. Yeah. Do you what do you what do you think about the end of the world? Like, do you think that we are like it seems theoretically likely that we could be? I mean, first of all, the more time we spend with each other, the more likely it is that we would kind of blow ourselves up. I'm like kind of talking about now like the Ukraine stuff. Okay, so I thought and, for a second war. that you're talking about you and me personally. 
<laughs> that the longer Michael and Nick stay together, the more likely it is it ends in like murders. Well, I think that theory holds for almost any situation slash relationship, uh, much like the relationship we have with each other as Earthlings. Sure. You said that um, in an unsettling way. Yeah, thank you. I was trying to. <laughs> um, so we've got time. So we're fighting time. And we're also fighting technology increasing. What what do you what do you think? And we're also fighting population growth. What what do you think about? Are we are we are we are we doomed? Are we gonna are we gonna is is are we gonna hit a plateau and then you know stay on that for a while and then kind of decline or are we just are we gonna find? Because I was so optimistic about life probably five years ago. I was so optimistic and I was like always like I mean. Granted, I knew nothing about life, and now I know obviously everything. Yeah, but I was that was the big difference. Humans would just work it out, like we'll work it out, like we'll grow. Our morals will grow. It felt like you know we're progressing in in every facet of life. Like we'll we'll just like work it out, man. And now I'm like, no, we won't. We won't fucking work it out. We won't. we'll We'll just hate each other more. It's like it's like we're we're literally monkeys. Just with big toys, like we'll we'll fuck we'll fuck it up, we will fuck it up, and not 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 we will fuck it up, men will fuck it up, <laughs> and I know that's you know I I reckon men will fuck it up, men will blow up the world, and it will be all of men's fault, and then in heaven when we when all the women are in heaven uh-huh. and all the men are in hell, and everyone's really horny. <laughs> That's the gay agenda. All the then all the gay guys just up there like we would never do that. <laughs> and then they're the, they're the ones who are in heaven having Wait, sex with and, all the bitches. Heaven, all the heaven full of all um, all women is actually hell for gays. So that's actually you know that's their punishment. Yeah. But when I said women, I meant gays as well. Oh, just all <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> um, I think I take uh, a, a middle middle ground which is that uh i think that humanity has a sort of cockroachy quality now where it will survive Mm. most things through sheer numbers plus resources plus willpower however interesting i also think we are totally capable of making things much much worse for ourselves due to animalistic stupidity so i think that in a you know, 80 years time, the worth, the world is going to be three degrees hotter and it's going to be really hard to grow crops and to keep cool. And the, it'll be dramatically unstable in terms of weather events and life will go on. Like yeah. I think people will make do. However, the cost of that will be the erasure of, you know, entire countries and cultures and, the the favoring of rich um, industrialized nations over upcoming and second world countries or uh, weather ravaged areas um, and we will we will lose things that we can never get back but yeah. some proportion of the world will continue cuz it's rich enough and and industrialized enough and technologically sophisticated enough and motivated enough to make do, make do with whatever shithole we end up in. Yeah, I mean, it's it just starting to, it just, I mean, not starting to. I mean, science fiction writers have been 
predicting this for ages. I mean, like your Elysiums, your Mad Max, your District 9 or whatever. I don't even know if that was sci-fi. But like the children of men, like these these dystopian futures that these science fiction writers have been writing about where technology is, you know, beyond our imagination now, but also we it's just barren and and dusty and dirty and and and, and the there's no there's no life you know on on the planet like it just feels like i don't know well and it it's also like the classes so right? like that's the elysium thing where you have the real rich people living in this sort of heavenly places and then the the underclass struggling in in famine and and destitution um as you say um but yeah it seems yeah. very plausible it's not a cheery thought but it seems plausible no. Well, if that's the case, we are just living in the absolute sweet spot of life now, where like of of ever of human life, where we are we are enjoying the benefits of technology without enjoying enjoying without you know suffering the consequences Incurring. of of yeah. um of dystopia or whatever. I mean, I just think about I just keep thinking about this all the time these days that like people. For so many people, their life sucks. And for so many people over, it's not even just people that are alive now, people like most of the people that have ever existed, their life has just sucked and they've worked so hard and they've gone through so much pain. Yeah. And my life is comparatively so unbelievably good. Yeah. That even, you know, even in my, even at my lowest, that like, it's just still so much better. Yeah, your absolute lowest darkest moment is still the 98th percentile of every human that's ever lived so many people if you think if you think about people like in the fucking medi because personally the medieval ages i don't know why i would just absolutely not have it i've not i would not do well in the medieval ages (laughs) i would i'm not cut for the medieval ages would you go earlier though like would you do you reckon you'd be okay like 2000 bc you know pyramids i would Honestly, if it was if it was a choice, I'd go way earlier than medieval. I don't know. There's something about medieval. It's just like ugh, icky. It's just smelly. But icky, gross, witches, gross, scary. <laughs> um, because there were no witches before. There were no that. witches you know that? before that. Yeah, before Jesus. Um, before Jesus. Um, so I would much rather. You know what I'd like? I'd you know if we're going if you have to go way back. Dinosaurs. I mean, it all sucks. Yeah. Probably dinosaurs. Yeah. Just when there's no one around. Can you imagine that? There's no man-made things anywhere. But anyway, you're distracting me. People have suffered so fucking much that, like, I actually, if you actually think about it, I cannot even bear the the, the actual thought. Like, the, people have suffered so fucking much just on their day-to-day life. I'm just, like, I'm blown away by that thought, honestly. Yeah. And you're sitting here in a deep fort shirt that you've printed. And I'm feeling... And drinking a, a wine and, and this is yeah. what life is. And I'm not happy. Yeah. So, and I'm still not happy. And I still think about that. Maybe it's because I'm thinking about medieval <laughs> poo buckets. <laughs> yeah. That I'm like, all the time. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not happy. Well, no, actually, I'm happy. I don't want to put that out there. Here's, um, here's, I've had this sort of pinned in my notes for... For ages, years actually, because um, I've always found it an interesting thought, but it's never been quite enough, I think, to sustain a full conversation. Um, 
but I, I have this quote here. Um, so there was a, a We Will Survive panel at Worldcon 76. I don't know what Worldcon is. Rebecca Roan Horse pointed out that indigenous people are living post-apocalyptic societies of and cultures. For indigenous people, they are already in the post-apocalypse. An alien invader or a technological uprising has stripped them of their land, cultures, homes, and rights, and they are living in the post-apocalypse right now. Wow. Mm, that's an interesting take. Yeah. I mean, it sounds... Yeah. Does she expand on, on that at all? Uh, uh, because... There was a whole talk. That, that's only the thing that I have um, pinned here. Um, but I did it's... find it, it was an interesting um, thought yeah. experiment there to to realise that there's already examples of that within human culture and history today. Um, and but from which... Is that be... what, what is poke post-apocalyptic what is that well i i guess it depends on your definition like we started this conversation talking about barren wasteland and, and struggles for food and that sort of thing obviously that's that's not exactly the case for indigenous cultures now what they're talking yeah. about is a loss of personhood of agency of culture of language of geography of the intrinsic uh worth of their society right that's been stripped so, away wikipedia says that it's um yeah and i yeah i agree that it's like it's very interpretable that term but i just wanted to know because when she's saying a post-apocalyptic she's just kind of focusing on having uh you know a community or a, or a civilization not a civilization like uh what's the uh, what's the other word for that? Society, like culture, smaller? society having something stripped away from them. So, post-apocalyptic is um, depicting the Earth's civilization collapsing or has collapsed, and the apocalypse event may be climactic, climatic, ah, climatic, climatic. Um, as climatic su such as um, astronomical, such as impact event. Destructive nuclear holocaust, blah blah. blah. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, I think that you can take the the start there, um, and and say that that's a valid application of the term. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. People have always thought though that the their civil like I know it's a, it's a kind of maybe a very religious thing, but um, every generation of people has always thought that their that Jesus is coming yeah. in their lifetime. You know? Well, that that is the that is a very good point because if you bring it back to that, um, you know, millennia old narrative, right? It's the idea that there is a risk of of ruin. You know, a risk of society ending was mm. clearly a worry or a concern to have been embodied in the the lore of of this culture two thousand years ago. And, yes. and for it to have been a present worry and fear in culture 2,000 years ago means that it was already something that they had witnessed or concerned or, or thought about before then, you know, like you, it doesn't just sure. come out of nowhere. But what, but what do you chalk that down to? Is that maybe, is maybe it's an evolutionary device that we've built that kind of, like maybe the worry kind of 
kind of propels us forward to in a survival way or you know but also from an individualistic point of view it's like almost evolutionarily speaking why do you care is the apocalypse really just a inevitable consequence of the expansion of life like the further that cultures grow, the more people there are, the geographically closer that they get to each other, the more they infringe on the boundaries of other societies, the more technologically they can spread around the world, the more we understand about what's happening both on the planet and our actions on it and sort of even and in our position in the solar system and beyond. Is it inevitable that with that comes an understanding of um our perilous existence but also a a a necessary conflict like all of that comes with conflict and every conflict brings with it a risk of loss i don't i don't know whether like you would have the concept of an apocalypse in tribal society where it's like a one village has a hundred people in it right like does that Mm. you would think about it on the scale of a village but the bigger your brain gets and the sure. bigger your understanding of the world, the bigger your fear of the destruction. Very interesting point. When they, when, I mean, the, the apocalypse is a huge part of the New Testament in the Bible. I believe at that point they still thought the earth was flat and the, the earth was a dome. So I don't know how that plays into it. I mean, at, at some point the an apocalypse is necessary don't you agree like even if you are conceptually necessary you have to arrive at the idea of an apocalypse or you think well it's it's a finality it's the finality of life it's even if you are living in a tribe it is people live and then they die even if you think you're going to live after you die whatever there's like a finality there so i guess apocalypse the apocalypse concept is an expansion of that but also in very real terms the apocalypse will happen at some point to human civilization. Will it? It just will. Well, I suppose at, at some, some point. point. Yeah. yeah. And ev- eventually there if will be no more If it happens on humans. Earth, but maybe we'll, pro- we'll proliferate throughout the universe. But at some point the universe will die. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. you're right. Well, but you can only know there, about that if you know about an earth and about a galaxy and about, you know, the sure. But it's like, it's all, you could, you could, it's a macrocosm of the, our village idea, like our village or it's a micro or the the village idea is the microcosm of. No, I think you're right. The first time I think that, that the concept of an apocalypse only becomes like, there is at a threshold where it's not an apocalypse, right? Like, if you kill one ant colony, that's not an ant apocalypse because there's other ant colonies, right? Mm. So there is a it's threshold, a massacre, but it's not. An apocalypse. Yeah, exactly. There's a threshold at which it becomes apocalypse, right? When it affects all of something. Yeah. So I think I think you're right that it starts at a town level, and that at a certain point, as we understand more about our place in the world and more in a place in the universe, then you understand that that's a possibility then you can can conceptualize only when you know there are countries on the other side of the world yeah and only once you've traveled there and understand the distances and only once you have the technology to design a plane or design a bomb or design a thing only once you 
advance to that scope can you conceive of apocalypse yeah it's uh are you yeah are you, are you worried about like nuclear war are you worried about this i mean it just feels like i heard um a nuclear academic oh that's wrong like he was like a guy an academic guy who'd just been studying nuclear war forever and he was on Bill Maher the other day and he was like, this is the closest uh, and the most scared that I've felt to that nuclear war will happen because Putin, just just from his language and from his behavior, it just seems like, you know, it could happen. And um, I mean, just like, fuck, I mean, I mean, it's probably not going to affect, I mean, talk about climate change. I mean, drop a fucking A-bomb in this bitch. It's going to ramp up the climate change, surely. I mean, I don't know what, what that would do. I mean, obviously, um, you have the, the immediate localized effects of, of, an, of an atomic bomb, but I don't know how to extrapolate what that does to a, a weather system. I mean, <sighs> if you suddenly cut off power grids and, and population is killed and lowered, like, potentially it slows the rate of climate change like i'm not oh, saying that so, we should so, so you're have a saying nuclear that war. putin should just go nuts if i don't it, know I but think... i'm saying if there was a nuclear apocalypse it would definitely slow the human impacts of climate change i'm nick i think the listeners are reading between the lines here you're for the war in ukraine <laughs> because you think it will slow down climate change well I, you i'm a lefty what first, can i folks. say there you go there's the progressive agenda card. <laughs> Tucker Carlson, you listening? Because I just found your opening Molinog. I really, I, if I, <laughs> you did not, I felt like if I stuck that you landing, it would just be so good. The I did opening Molinog. No, All right, before we drop this uh, top topic, yeah. let's just let's just predict when the world's going to end, and then see if we're right. You know, and maybe we'll do it a post-apocalyptic episode. Define the world ending. We're we talking the extinction yep. of humanity. Yep. No more human beings exist. No more. Uh, What's your year? I don't know. 100,000. Whoa. Jeez. It'll be on the iPhone uh, 47 by then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, they take a couple of years. Bro. <laughs> um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go so much earlier than that. I'm going to go... I'm going to go 2,500. Okay. BC. No. Um, AD, obviously. <laughs> yeah, great joke. <laughs> <laughs> Time travel. Um, yeah, okay, I think well, it's going to... Um, give us another stick around. Let's see whether or not we get there. I don't think we'll probably... I don't think we'll be doing it by... Uh, definitely by... 100, Definitely by one hundred thousand AD. AD. We, this podcast will be well and truly over. Although you know, you never know, Nick. Maybe we we pass the baton on to. I to reckon some you know, two, you know, handsome, what? smart, you know, clones of sexy, ourselves. Yeah, clones. No, not clones, but just like you know, friends. I um, you know, we could very literally get a radio antenna, broadcast Deep Four, and shoot it out into space, and it would be there for eternity. So why not do that? I think, well, 
So Nick will put up a GoFundMe link in the uh, chapter notes here. Um, well, the intergalactic broadcast of Deep Fort. Please Deep Fort in space, yes. guys. Um, get on it. If you want to hear Deep Fort in space, go to www.gofundme slash Deep Fort in motherfucking space. And just to confirm, that is just two W's. That's www. <laughs> <laughs> two W. Two W's. No, you did. Uh, don't worry about the third one. And don't worry about the HTTP crap. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about any of it. Uh, Do you have to write... What was the HTTP? I don't even know. What, the, what is that? Hypertext Because sometimes you have protocol. to write it. Okay, forget it. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this conversation, um, that's, that's very flattering. Thank you. Um, it means you might also have clinical depression. <laughs> <laughs> so... Just from one friend to another, you might you might need to take a moment and, and have a look at that. Uh, there's plenty more episodes of this at our archive at deepfort.podbean.com or just scroll down in your podcast player. There's plenty of fun stuff there. You can find us on Facebook, on Twitter for notifications, on Instagram for clips and, and imagery. Uh, send your questions and comments to deepfort at gmail.com. Find our music on SoundCloud or on Spotify. And um, just don't worry about it too much. It's all going to be okay. Just just quickly, because um, this loosely ties in back with the Armageddon thing, that uh, I had the thought the other day that um, that Radiohead at some point will just be like, this is the last Radiohead album. Yeah. Like, I, there will be no more Radiohead. I know. I feel like it's soon. I almost reckon, like, the I next one so might too. be the last one. I feel it's that been too. seven years. No, five, five years. It's been five years since Moonshape Pool. I reckon I they will come back, but I reckon there's maybe like one left. Uh, what are we gonna do? Like, I'll li- I will literally cry. Yeah. Starting but also, you know, that like Radiohead are getting into their mid fifties. Like Nick, we are about to be like they're about to be dad rock. <laughs> it's like, true. It's, but I, I mean, maybe, it's like, actually not cool anymore or whatever. Of, but no, but like, think about all the other things that Pink doing, Floyd, right? like, yeah. well, yeah, but also like, if Johnny Greenwood's doing music scores, you can't really call him Dad Rock, can you? Like when he's yeah. when he's scoring the next PTA film or you know Spencer or whatever, yeah. you can't quite lump him in with with someone sure. replaying the hits, can you? Sure, no, and yeah, I guess music has changed, and they are also so like progressive in that regard i just like i just I feel like they're not gonna stop making music even if radiohead ends right they're just gonna spin off and do their own little noodling for a bit yeah i i agree but i just like that day when they say when they announce that radiohead isn't is no longer gonna make music yeah like fuck. sad day it's coming anyway. yes um should we do a bit of a um a wreckage just put some put some I don't know where that sentence goes. Grab the keys. Welcome to Deep Thoughts Recommendation Engine. Back's uh, very sore today. Back's. You got a sore back? I had a sore back the other day. Is skeletal or muscular? Uh, muscular. I think I just need to get on the foam roller. Give it a bit of a roll, a bit of a stretch. I'll give you a massage after this. Oh, thanks, baby. Um, 
Okay. I put some effort into my wrecks because I'm I'm going I'm going off script. You're not going off script if you've written it down. No, okay. <laughs> I've wrote a script. But uh, <laughs> okay, if fine. anything, you're going on script. Which is <laughs> no, very rare just, for you. I'm thinking more laterally. Okay. With the wrecks because I know we get into and I don't Bananas. Want to your Have you tried them? Full of potassium. Fuck. Fine. I'll find something else. Um <laughs> I love. I do love a banana. <laughs> you can't abbreviate banana to banana. <laughs> I love abbreviating things that you just take off one symbol. Well, you you know what? If you really want to confuse people, just call it a naan. Say, like, oh, I had a naan for lunch. <laughs> it's like, oh, really? No current? No, a banana. I call them naans for short. Or you could really confuse people by ordering a naan and say, yeah, I had a garlic nana. <laughs> Yeah, no, it gets very confusing. Cheesy yeah, nerd. We're silly. silly we're billies. silly billies. Okay, am I kicking it off or are you kicking it off? You kick. Okay, uh, starting with a music wreck for you. Um, Give me. The band Midlake has come back uh, with a new album for the first time in, I think, eight years. Uh, it is called For the Sake of Bethel Woods. And man, I've been hammering this over the past uh, week or so, a few five days. Now, this was the band that you were into. You tried to get me onto them a bunch of times, right? German band or something? No, that's Kashmir. That's Kashmir. Midlake Kashmir. is is uh, an American sort of folky band. Of course, it's Kashmir. Um, Midlake uh, had a very um, I don't know the way to describe. They had a very. Um, uh lyrical sounds um obvious but like a very lyrical folky nature where like it was like storytelling they would tell almost like concept albums but set in like the 1800s or like about villages and and settlements and that kind of thing and after three hours wrote songs about villages yeah yeah like at villagers and villages. Oh, villagers. Villagers <laughs> right. and villages, but like about settlements and like building houses and like um, gathering wood to fix the roof leaks and that kind of stuff. Um, and the is, album's called For the Sake of Bethel Woods. For the Sake of Bethel Woods. Um, and so they did here wearing all the same coat. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah. I like that. All right, cool. Um, so they, they, they did three albums with their lead singer who uh, then I had think had a few issues and and left the band and they had uh the me too one follow-up um album called antiphon in 2014 and that was eight years without anything and they've just come back and antiphon was a little bit of an evolution it was a little bit more electric a little bit um like 70s rockier like a little bit trippier or grungier and uh and eight years and they come back again and it and it's totally doing it for me um it's it's got sort of a grizzly bear kind of hint to it at times it's got a little bit of arcade fire in the mix and this really okay. like fun um yeah i don't know like a, a, now, a, a would I like lightness it? i reckon you More got a decent chance like if you i remember about six months ago you're like i i'm craving a, a like a, a rock band I'm, cra- yeah. I'm, I'm i'm craving a rock album again i haven't heard like guitars in a while yeah, I feel and like then you I got ended up a good listening chance. to the Foo Fighters, uh, mm. and yeah. So I, I would, I would definitely give this one a listen. I reckon you got a decent chance of liking some of it. 
I've got one saved, one song saved on there from Midlake on my Spotify, and mm-hmm. it's from a uh, late night tales by Groove Armada called oh, yeah. Roscoe Beyond oh, yeah. the Re- the Wizard Sleeve. Yeah, yeah, that remix. You yeah. know that one? Yeah. Oh, it's a remix. Yeah, but it's good. All right, cool. I'll give him a. I'll yeah. give it a whirl. Give that one a bash. Um, I reckon. I reckon you got a chance of liking a bit of it. All right, I'll give it out. Um, all right, so I've got a wreck. I got a, one hell of a goddamn wreck for you, Nick. Um, let me ask you this: Do you get calluses on your hands? I know you lift. You lift, bro. I feel like this oh, is yeah. a trap, but yes. No. Yes. <laughs> you get oh, a callus. Okay, you're always talking about going to the gym. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I also get calluses. I I, I have I have, you lift, I have no, notorious rough hands. Yeah. Um, and it's been pointed out to me a lot to. A fair bit lately, actually, uh, a little, little self-conch about yeah, it. You got to be honest. And um, and so I looked up online how to get rid of calluses, mm-hmm. and turns out I just thought, you know, once a callus, always a callus. Yeah. I just thought these 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 uh, these bad boys were for life. Yeah. Turns out you can snip <laughs> unlike, those bitches right off. Unlike Will Smith, these are not bad boys for life. Unlike herpes. You, you don't have it for life. And I went and got myself a callus remover, yeah. 3,000 over yeah. here. Uh, you heard about these? Yeah. Uh, basically what it is, it's like a hand... You can get it at your local pharmacy. Uh, pharmacy. And pharmacy. Um, and it's like a... It's like a I'm showing Nick here, but it's like it's kind of like a spoon, but there's like a blade, a, sharp, a very sharp blade at the end. So I wouldn't use it as a spoon to eat <laughs> ice cream from, um, especially from the back. But what you can do is it's basically just dead skin. <laughs> this is such a good wreck. <laughs> <laughs> it, it can also remove corns <laughs> from your foot. Um, but you just basically put it to the back of your hand and slide it down. Mm-hmm. Like that. Mm-hmm. And Nick, I did this the other day. And mm-hmm. yes, to many people, this would be incredibly gross. And even yeah. to me, it was gross. But I peel, I just, I just, I just peeled, like cut off these calluses. And now my hands, I feel like a 13 year old girl again, honestly. <laughs> it's like, I, I've, I've, my hands are smooth, they're, they're groove, and they're ready to move, honestly. And, <laughs> What the tagline? They're smooth, they're <laughs> groove, they're ready to move. I mean, not a tagline you want for the description of a 13-year-old girl's hands. <laughs> <laughs> Especially coming from a man. Yeah. Um, but I honestly, might need to put a content warning at the start of this recommendation. Slap a content warn on here, yeah. but, you know, the, the people will get it. Uh, nine bucks at Chemist Warehouse. Uh-huh. Highly recommend it. It's changed my changed my life. It's changed my changed my game. And have people been noticing? Like, are you putting a little bit of moisturizer on the hands afterwards? Are you going in for a handshake and people saying, "Well, I haven't I haven't touched anyone's hands okay. since 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 the uh, uh, callus remover four thousand. Uh-huh. Um, but um, I you know I was you, you know in a little it? bit of a I was in a bit of a handhold situation situation the other day, Ooh. and it, you know it came up. It came up. It came up. Um, Wait, and pre, I feel like pre, pre-removal? Pre-remove. Pre-removal, okay. Pre-remove. Okay. But, you know, it's been, a, it's, been a, it's been a constant thing for me. Like, people, whenever I've held someone's hands, um, you know, my priest would always say, you know, it's, this is, you got rough hands. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, 
I'm 15 like, years shit. old. And, um, um, but Wait, you had them even when you were 15? <laughs> I actually did, though, man. I actually did. I've always had rough hands. Mm. Um, I've, I've had, I like, I have the hands of a bricklayer. Yeah. But I've honestly never laid a brick in my life. No, but yeah, would believe that. Eight bucks. Turns out eight bucks yeah. you can solve that that just snip those bad boys right off. So yeah. Or you get can get one of the, um, the automated like a have you seen the ones that are like a little sort of spinning automated tool with like a sandpaper belt on the end? No. And you just like <gasps> You just file it down. Just file it down. Oh, that sounds great. I think I like the uh, immediate reward of like the snipping off and then you got this big chunk of dead okay, skin. Yeah, gross. And then you can, you know, you can chew on that like uh, <laughs> like okay, a yep. beef jerky. Moving on, moving on. Um okay, a little bit of um of audio kind of follow this audio loop. This no, not audio loop, audio um trend. Poop. Audio <laughs> audio thread um at the moment with a podcast recommendation um Mm. so there is this show called dead eyes do you know anything about dead eyes not a goddamn thing okay i might read the little um descriptor here so um actor comedian connor ratliff embarks on a quest to solve a very stupid mystery that's haunted him for two decades why Tom Hanks fired him from a small role in the 2001 HBO miniseries Band of Brothers. I'm listening. So this is a, um, a serialized narrative podcast, um, as I said, starring a guy called Connor Ratliff, who was an aspiring actor, was given a role in Band of Brothers and then had that role taken away in a cruel twist, twist of fate and it has haunted him. <laughs> that's And that's for real, right? For real. This is a real thing. This is a real true thing. You have to yeah. start, if you're going to listen, you have to start at the beginning, start with episode one. You can't just listen to the most recent one. And then over the course of um, several 10 episode seasons, he explores the implications of this. He goes very, very deep in speaking oh. to the people involved, in speaking to agents who were there and trying to get a hold of the <gasps> casting actors, you know, and, oh, and hoping one day to be able to speak to Tom Hanks directly and, and learn why he was let go. So adding is, this immediately to my list. It is a very entertaining thing. You'll hear like celebrity cameos. Oh, it's a head gum podcast. It's a head gum series. Um, you will find him interviewing people that you've heard, um, you know, like he, he's within the, the UCB improv circles. So there's um, like Darcy Carden and, and Zach Woods and that kind of thing popping in to talk him through some of the, the drama of what happened. But if you're looking for like nice. an interesting, funny, like overcommitment to a bit kind of narrative serial exploration, um, Dead Eyes is a good Can't listen. wait to give that a whirl. I see Seth Rogen's involved yep. as well. Yeah, don't All don't right. scroll too far down the list. Just in, let it unfold. All right, that yeah. sounds great. Good wreck. Um, that sounds really good. Um, my other wreck is another is another tool. Um, so Nick, you relate to this being a fellow tool. Um, that do you like boiled eggs? <laughs> <laughs> I love that both of our wrecks have started like. <laughs> do you get calcium? Do you like boiled eggs? It's like Answer the fucking question. Answer the fucking <laughs> it's question. like tuning into the shopping channel at 2 a.m. Does this, how does this ever happen to you? 
Does this ever, does it ever happen to you? Do you I am. Um, let, let me I, let me pitch it like that. Actually, mm-hmm. Nick, does this ever happen to you? Oh, do you I'm ever listening. do you ever boil an egg and it's you forget about it on the counter and it's too hard and the shell won't open and or or maybe maybe you just think oh maybe I've had this egg on the boil for eleven minutes and it's only been three minutes and the yolk is runny and there's like a still a chicken in there mm. and it's going mama i'm hot get me <laughs> out of here do you ever have that problem you, well are, i got the solution for you clock it's called clock it's called cluck 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 <laughs> um it's a boiled egg timer yes mm-hmm. but not a clock. It doesn't it's the care about one that you put in a thing of water, and then when it heats up, it shows you how Nick, hard boiled it is. Do, do me a favor. Shut the fuck up for okay. two seconds. Yes, it's exactly that. Okay, so it doesn't. It's not a clock in the sense that it. it this thing, this device, doesn't give a shit about time. It gives a shit about how hard your egg is. Okay, and that's that's the real time. That's the real time, guys. So it's like a you can buy this and again probably four or five bucks you could probably get it when you're getting your callus shaver mm-hmm. up to you probably Least I wouldn't at the say pharmacy? I don't I don't think the chemist will no you probably have to if you you know if you even if one in one of those shopping like centers yeah. that has yeah that has like a shopping like a pharmacist and a Coles or whatever yeah yeah get it Coles or a homeware department but four or five bucks it's in the shape of an egg so all of the other eggs will just be like. This this is like they won't they be won't like freaked around. out. Yeah, you know <laughs> they'll be like, oh, I guess this is another egg. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're not <laughs> they're not going to react negatively. They're not going to cause like drama. Yeah, it's just kind of like you know fitting in, in with the other yeah. eggs yeah, blends yeah. in. But meanwhile, it's like this, undercover this egg, boss. This this egg is undercover, <laughs> and it's actually timing all the other eggs. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's going. I'm this hot. So the other eggs must be similarly hot. Yeah. And then it has on the things, it has like soft, it kind of, the heat thing goes in and goes from hard to, or it goes from soft to hard or whatever. So you can just chuck it in with your boiled eggs and you get the perfect boiled egg. And for me, I like a, um, like a a kind of a in-between between hot and, um, no, not hot, uh, (laughs) hard and soft. I like a medium, I think. Yeah. I like a medium boiled egg Uh and very hard to, very hard to precisely get a medium boiled egg. Until now. This is the way to do it. Until now, guys. Um, So, Nick. Do you remember our famous podcast uh, last year, Good Things Come to Those Who Egg, in which I gave great egg cracking advice? Yeah. Now we're back with <laughs> another <advice>. kick <laughs> cracking advice. Uh, another killer egg tip. And yeah. I think we are cornering this market. I don't hear many other podcasts coming in no. hot with egg egg news like this. I think if you I think we're about one more egg fact away from this being a new segment, it to be honest. Be. Nick, go yeah. give it our history. Yeah. But yeah, go pick yourself up an egg timer if you like a boiled egg because it's honestly game changer. Um, on that, uh, to answer your initial question, I don't eat boiled eggs like oh, with okay. any regularity, but oh. they do come in ramen, and I will quite happily enjoy a boiled egg and a ramen. So you do order an extra egg? I don't order an extra egg, but I do like I do like it when it's there. They're they're incredibly good for you. Um, 
they taste Where did we good. land with cholesterol, they- though? Aren't eggs high in cholesterol? I think there was an 80s thing. I think we've forgotten that. I think now we're like, nah, all of Generally, the eggs. Get all the egg. Okay. I think in the 80s they thought eggs was bad, but now the Eggs was you know, good now. now yeah. Eggs was good again. <laughs> Make eggs good uh, again. Great wreck, Michael. Um, thanks for <laughs> coming to the I table really tr- so prepared. I really scraped the barrel. Yeah. Um, I got one more little bit of um, recce for you, which is just some TV, yep. some TV things. I don't think you personally are going to like them, but I'm just putting right, it out I'll there. I'll just play um, a game. There is a show called Yellow Jackets, which was a Showtime series. It has uh, Melanie Linsky and Christina Ricci and others. It is a weird kind of blend of like a horror survival um kind of show with a lost flashback structure so this soccer team crashes in the wilderness a whole bunch of like 16 year old girls who need to survive but end up forming like a cannibalistic cult and then in the present day some of the people have survived and got free and we're trying to like we cut back and forth between the now and the then as we see what they did uh, haunts them and and the consequences of it in the in the present day um it's a little bit soapy it's a little bit slasher it's it's just a fun kind of genre show it's it's good i and do then, like the um i do like what's her name M- melanie melanie Linsky. Linsky is an incredible she's fun actress. yeah she's great did you see something something in this world i don't know i'm don't I don't feel I don't alone. Belong in, in this world. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't feel alone. Something like that. I don't. Belong. No, I didn't see that. The one with um, um, Frodo, Elijah Wood, Elijah Wood, and Melanie Linsky. Yeah. Okay. Good no, movie. Anyway, um, and then the other show I'm watching at the moment is called Station Eleven, and this is a very interesting recommendation because it is literally about a viral apocalypse which ends the world. So it's quite topical. Um, for what we talked about this episode, Station Eleven. It's based on a book, but by all accounts, the TV show's better. They've actually improved it. Okay. And it is this beautiful kind of cathartic story of optimism. Like, it's strange to recommend a, a post-apocalyptic um, story, but it's not actually a doer kind of Walking Dead survival thing. It's about how art saves people in the aftermath of the apocalypse and how people come together to share stories and perform Shakespeare. And it just tells lots of beautiful vignettes um, with a sort of surrealist poetry to it. And yet also depicts some of the like early apocalyptic stuff in a way that feels kind of cathartic and, and heart wrenching for people like us who have actually lived through (laughs) that kind of era. Um, Yeah. It's a really, really strong show. It's it's by a lot of the writers behind Maniac, that um, oh, uh, yeah, that Jonah Hill and Emma Jonah Stone, and also The Leftovers, which is an incredible show that everyone should watch. Um, so if if you know those other ones and you like those vibes and you're willing to to feel both like uh, moved and uplifted by a uh, apocalyptic kind of show, Station Eleven is is it's kind of a masterpiece. It's really good. It looks like HBO. Yeah, they do. Well, I reckon just, yeah, tell me the studio that's doing it. And, you know, I'll, I mean, anything by HBO, I'll probably check out. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, speaking of leftovers, a lot of people tell me I look like uh, Justin Theroux. What do you think about that? It's maybe even handsomer. 
I can sort of see it. You don't have his massive dick, though. Does he have a massive? Oh, famously. How? How do you know that? Oh, it was all over the news. I haven't. I follow yeah, him on just, Instagram. Just Google um, Justin Thoreau track pants. <laughs> okay. All right. Something you've Googled, Nick? No, I'm telling you. Like, this was, this was not even in my porn circles. This was just like oh, TV what? news. Well, he was... He was banging Jennifer Aniston for a while there, wasn't he? I don't know. Was he? Wait, let me... Uh, wait, what's his name again? Justin... Th- I'm going to look this up. Justin... Ch- is this an incognito mode, Google? Uh, probably not. Well, here we go. Justin's through Pat Track Pants. ASOS. Great. Oh, that's that's a nice piece. That is a nice piece. Yeah. Yeah, like it, it, was, it was actual... News, <laughs> news, news for some reason. Oh, there's a couple of gifts. Yeah, he's my boy's packing over there. Oh, yes. Just, how crazy is that? Louis Theroux's cousin. And yet, I think Louis Theroux probably has the smallest dick ever. <laughs> oh, okay. Doesn't that seem true? <laughs> I would hate to comment. <laughs> uh. Well, that's a strange end to a podcast. <laughs> yeah, now I'm just looking at Justin through his dick. 